if your readers say there's a problem, they're right that there's a problem, but they're probably not right about how to fix it. Yeah. So usually I'll try to engage with readers in my comments if they have a problem. And usually it's because what I meant to say didn't get conveyed yeah. well. And like in my head, it made sense. The words I put down on paper didn't make sense. So mm -hmm. I'll try to talk to them, figure out what the problem is and fix it. Yeah. Sometimes, though, there's readers who just don't like what you did, and that's okay. As long as what I meant to get down there was there, and they didn't like it, that's fine. Not everyone's going to like all your decisions. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal roads. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast that invites people who lie about writing memoirs of people who don't exist. With me today is Peter Lee, author of Dear Spellbook. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good, too. Yeah. What did we talk about in the bonus material so far? We uh, talked about your kids. A lot about Lord my the kids. Lord of the treadmill. Rings. My treadmill, my broken toe, and then my sprained knee. And yes. then how neither of us exercise anymore. Yes. And get very round. Yes. That's some exciting bonus material. Oh, yeah. And then no, potential have, like, new interesting stuff in the, in kazoo there. ad that you were going to do. Dragon oh, Kong? speaking of children. Oh, is he in the frame? Well, that's my son. Okay. Maybe. I don't know if he's in the camera. I, I th No, he's not. Okay. Well, then you but, don't have um, to blur his face out. That's good. Good doesn't time. doesn't matter. It's fine. Peter. Max. You wrote Dear Spellbook. I did. And it was a fake memoir. And uh, I did get some comments because the forward is like the main character saying that he's like probably dead. And some people didn't get that that was like fictional, which. Oh, no. I don't know. Oh, oh, no. I don't know how they thought that I was dead and I was posting this live serial, but I did get a couple uh, concerned comments, but. Then they like went back and commented later, like, oh, I'm dumb. I figured it out. <laughs> oh, no. Tell us more about, about the untimely demise of your probably dead protagonist. Self, yes. How did you write this book? Why did you write this book? I wanted to write something since, like, I was... Before I liked reading, I think I wanted to write a book. Because I didn't like reading until, like, fifth grade, which we talked about before. But I remember writing some pretty bad Pokemon fan fiction on like Windows 96 or something. So it was probably like 98 or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I put the fan fiction light behind me uh, when I grew up and went to junior high. <laughs> and then uh, I always had ideas for books, but didn't want to like write something that wouldn't get seen. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wasn't going to get traditionally published. Like, that's just like... That is a hard thing to get into. And I knew that. But then sometime in like 2018, I started like reading web serials because um, mm -hmm. my son did not sleep good at all. So I'd be like awake all night, waiting for him to fall back asleep. And I needed something I could read in like little chunks and like mm -hmm. not really get lost in. And web serials kind of have simpler plots where you could, you know, be half alive, mm -hmm. not really miss out on a lot. And then around that time, COVID happened, and I was playing D&D, &D, and I had a campaign that ended because people didn't see each other anymore. Mm -hmm. And 
it kind of all kind of came together when I was reading a web serial that was very popular, but it like wasn't well written and I liked it mm. at the same time. So I was like kind of confused, like this is kind of not good, but lots of people like it and I like it. I could probably do this. Mm-hmm. So I took the D&D setting that I had been like running games in for like three or four years mm. and I kind of turned the current campaign setting into a more of like a story. Like I combined two characters to make like a main character, made some other people's characters, tweaked them a little bit so they could like be background characters. And then I started writing what they had done so far into a like a story. Mm. And then... I had a time loop chapter in there, but a time loop session, but that was only supposed to be like part of the first book and it ended up being three books. So I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. So you wrote the entire thing just because you could? Yeah. So I started doing at the end of 2020, I started writing it and then I had like 25 chapters in and I kind of just like, I don't know why, but I kind of just started blindly posting chapters on railroad, not really having any thought or strategy into it. Um, mm-hmm. which apparently I now know there's lots of <laughs> strategy and plans <laughs> yes. for it and it wasn't doing great. And I was like trying to promo it everywhere I could, um, which it's not a lot of places, but there's like some place you can post. And then I asked someone if I could post it on their discord channel. And then they invited me to like one of the author discord channels. And then I kind of got some advice and people told me how like rising star Wars works. And Mm. I somehow got on, well, it was called trending at the time, but I got onto trending, I think by cheating because I did a rewrite while I was like number like 20 or something on rising stars. And then I like rewrote a bunch of chapters and deleted some. And then I like shot up to like number two. Um, So I'm kind (laughs) of convinced that I broke the algorithm a little bit. I don't think that works anymore uh, because Kana, the admin, he swears that I didn't break the the algo and I earned it, but I don't believe him. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I got connected to people on Discord and they kind of gave me some advice and kind of kept me going. And then it like did well. And then I rewrote it again a little bit and reposted that once I was kind of going to try to get it published. And then I reposted as a new story, hit rising stars legitimately. Mm-hmm. And then I got picked up by portal and I, you know, have three books out. Awesome. So yeah. And you're also writing a new series, which I want to hear about, but first of all, how was working with portal? Uh, it's really good. I really like working with them. I had originally kind of planned to go with Athon, so I submitted to them first. But then when I didn't hear back for a couple of days, I kind of like panicked and just like submitted it to Portal. And then I was like, I didn't know anyone who had published at Portal, but I knew a lot of people through Athon. Hmm. And uh, I kind of just, you know, panicked, submitted, and then I regretted it. I'm like, oh, if I was going to submit to someone else, I should have edited it more. And then like Portal got back to me really quick and I had like a call with them and I met with Brooke uh, and I really liked how they worked and how they do extra editing, like dev editing passes that I knew I really needed in my story because I already kind of rewritten it twice and <laughs> I thought I could have used a, maybe a third, a third pass. So I went with them and we edited it for, edited it 
for, I can't remember now, probably took like three months um, for the first one. And I was very lucky for the audiobook that they got Travis as my narrator because uh, mm-hmm. really good. And also I've sold more audiobooks than <laughs> eBooks, which I don't think is common. Um, In this RPG, it might be. Yeah, I've talked with some other people and generally KU is like the big number. Mm-hmm. But if you can buy my Kindle Unlimited and my eBooks, they're about a little bit less. It's like, I think it's like mm-hmm. 52 to 48%. But so you said that you already wrote it twice, and as someone who's just now also on his second rewrite, how did that go for you? Uh, so it wasn't so much I call it a rewrite, but it was really kind of a restructuring. One thing that uh, it's relevant to the rewriting. Yeah. I really don't recommend writing a story that has like three separate concurrent timelines happening in like back-to-back chapters uh people don't really like that uh, mm-hmm. and it makes it hard to follow mm-hmm. so one of the big things that i did once i was editing with portal is we tried to make that less confusing and it's still pretty confusing uh, especially an audiobook because one of the main things that we did to kind of make it clearer is we labeled all like the chapters like when mm-hmm. things are happening mm-hmm. but like if you're listening to an audiobook especially some people who listen to like times five speed or that's not mm-hmm. a real speed that people listen to but like 1.5 or two times speed. Mm-hmm. So when yelling the made up fantasy date really quickly, you're just yeah. not going to pick up on that. And remember. Oh yeah. I can see that. Which is weird though, because as you said, like your audiobooks are selling like hotcakes. Um, so cool. Well, maybe so not well hotcakes. Not, you not can, shirt. You cannot escape success. I'm sorry, Peter. Okay. It is done. Uh, we were talking about, oh, the rewriting. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, the first time I rewrote it, I didn't like have any, the book is, my book is written about a guy writing about his experience at a time loop in his like magic spell book that mm-hmm. remembers what he writes in it every time mm-hmm. loop. So as you can imagine, it starts out with really exciting journal entries about a guy just writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first rewrite, I kind of tried to bring some of the action forward. Mm-hmm. And then when I was working with the second rewrite, I had a flashback arc, which originally on the web serial was going to be just like book two, which mm-hmm. would not have been popular. I realized um, I don't think people would have liked the story <laughs> just stopping and going back like three months for like a whole book. So I took that story and I interlaced it with the, the uh, time loop story. So like you mm-hmm. see the main character, experiencing the time loop and then he's trying to kind of figure out why he can remember this time loop when no one else can so he kind of yeah. starts writing down his events of prior to the time loop because the spell book that he's writing in is magic mm-hmm. and lets him recall everything like perfectly mm-hmm. which started kind of as like a narrative device just so i could justify why like he can remember everything like dialogue perfectly mm-hmm. and then it ended up becoming like one of the pillars of the story. Mm-hmm. So for the second rewrite, I took all that. I kind of lined the plots up. So they have like building action together or climax together. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, cool. That's nice. That was how the second rewrite went. And then the third rewrite with portal was more kind of polishing. It wasn't so much a rewrite. It's just like a dev edit where they would read through and be like, Hey, you're really describing your magic system way too much here. Or, Hey, mm-hmm. no one understands what this is. You need to explain this more here. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted me to add some more like um, 
kind of progression milestone moments because my story is more it's progression fantasy but it's more on like the traditional fantasy end of it like it's mm-hmm. there's no like levels but it's heavily inspired by like D fifth edition so like like there are like first tier spells and like second tier mm-hmm. spells but like you don't like get experience or extra like little granular level increases like so a lot of the story was me trying to kind of take like four levels of D&D and make it last over like three books while still getting like satisfying developments and progression throughout the series. So that was kind of what Portal helped me work on as well. Yeah, they're pretty cool about this. Yeah, I always, uh, always talk about the fact that basically um, if you publish, publish with Portal, um, Brooke co-authors a book with you. But yeah, it, it, he's just a very, very good dev editor, I think. Yeah, the way I solved the whole entire like three different timelines issue and they all have the same like highs and lows, just like quick brackets at the beginning of each chapter explaining through tertiary characters in a discussion what happened through the medium of unreliable narration. Mm. It's fun, but that wouldn't have worked for you, of course. So are you happy with it at the end? Uh, that's a difficult question. I think if you ask anyone if they're happy with their book, they're going to... Well, I know for me, I always see kind of like the things that I could have done better. I think overall, I am happy how it turned out. But if I was going to do it again, I would do it very differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have done it differently. Because uh-huh, uh, one of the problems with the rewrite was like, if I wanted to make the introduction more like action-packed, I would really would have had to like restructure so much of the story because the mm-hmm. way it was written originally was very like here's a day here's a day here's a day like every mm-hmm. chapter and that's really hard to like redo without just straight up rewriting every chapter mm-hmm. so i probably would have if i had to start over not like write one day at a time i would have probably been like more of a higher level like hey here's what happened the last like three days which I moved into in the second and the third book in the series, and it became more of like a traditionally structured, like a first person past narr- narration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But I really, I am happy with the the second and the third book. Like when I was editing those, there were times where I was like, you know, this is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. But the first one, because a lot of the stuff that was in there was from when I first started. I uh, I don't think I'll ever reread that book or re-listen to it. <laughs> it's just uh, it's very frustrating. Like I'm happy with it, but I only see the things that I like can't change anymore. Ah, uh, okay. So, what's up next for you then? Right now, I'm writing a magic school progression fantasy story called Primal Wizardry. It is a spinoff of Dear Spellbook. It takes place a hundred years after. Uh, and it has a lot of connections to the first series um, because it's the same world. But also, the main character from Dear Spellbook, uh, at the end of the third book, the time loop ends. And uh, there's a lot of plot threads that have been like laid out from the flashback arc and things he just discovers in the time loop. And those I plan to address in future books about the cast of Dear Spellbook. But 100 years later is like, after these people have become super important and like impacted like wars and things like that and like left yeah. his legacy behind and started a magic school in some capacity. And this new series <laughs> shows a character who has connections to the main character from Dear Spellbook, 
going to this magic school and meeting other people who are loosely connected to characters from Dear Spellbook. Cool. So that's kind of a lot. But uh, the, I mean, that's uh, pretty pretty cool. You know, yeah. So my hope was that this would kind of be something I could write to take a break from writing a time loop mm-hmm. and kind of wrap my head around writing a non-time loop story while still kind of staying in this world mm-hmm. and writing something that was detached. So like if people like your spell book and they want to keep reading up more about the setting, there was something for them to go to and people like this and they could then go to your spell book, but you're not supposed to need to have read either one to read the other one. And that's my intent. Some Royal road comments have told me that maybe <laughs> it's a little hard to follow, but, I think that it's kind of I don't know, if the traditional fantasy books you drop you sometimes you just get dropped in like the deep water yeah. and there's just like all these made up words and you just kind of figure it out. I don't think it's that yeah. bad, but there is a lot to the magic system that I kind of developed through three books that now when I wrote this, it was pretty fully developed and I couldn't like I can't explain it all in the first chapter because it would be very mm-hmm. boring because that was one of the problems with the original first chapter of Dear Spell book. So it get, kind of gets fed out through the series. I think I do it well enough that people can follow what's going on by the time the magic elements become relevant to the plot. But I am kind of looking into ways I could kind of edit it to be a little more clear. Because I'm not above editing a serial that's out, as we talked oh, about. Oh, yeah. I think that's definitely the way to go. You know, you write the entire thing and then you take a bit of a break um, while the rest of the chapters are uploading, and you edit, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Yeah, I have several ideas about that, like several several thoughts. Like the first one is like, I mean, Problem Wizardry right now sits at four point seven stars at two thousand followers. That's not bad. That's really not bad, right? I think that's a very good rating actually. So, yeah, I'm happy with how it's doing i uh i'm still on rising stars um but i picked oh. a really bad time to post because uh actus posted a new story with the same <laughs> oh, yeah. day as me wolf shine posted a new story the day as oh. me raven's dagger posted a story like the day after me mm-hmm. <laughs> so actus shot up to like number one like immediately and wolf shine mm-hmm. went up to number two Mm-hmm. And then I just slowly went up there and I got to like number eight and just kind of got stuck there waiting for people to fall down. Because for people who don't know, number seven is the on Rising Star shows up on the first page. So you get a lot of extra views. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy 2000. I think my highest for my second version of Dear Spellbook, I think I hit 1500 when I left Rising Stars. Mm-hmm. So 2000 is a, it's a good yeah. number. I think two thousand is like a very good number. I mean, like Torchbearer was at one thousand when when I when I dropped off of number eight, right? So I would be perfectly cool with that. Two thousand is a very good number, and also follower count on Royal Road translates to two things: um, feedback and vanity. It's maybe a good indicator of hey, this is a good story and people may like it. But I think as 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 you probably found out yourself, publishing on KU is a whole different beast. There's a completely different audience, right? So here's the yeah. So actually, I have uh, I also got the same complaints as you did, basically. Uh, people saying, "Oh, this is confusing. What's going on here? I have, I have no idea what's what's happening in the book." But um, that's by design. You're supposed to actually be interested enough to go through and know or want to know what happened or what all these words mean or who this character is, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's not it's not Malazan. I've tried to read that a couple times. I can't get into it. You just get dropped. You're not even dropped in the deep end. You're like, the ocean is like poured on top of you in that story. And whenever you're trying to like figure, get your bearings, like, oh, hey, here's a new character we're going to talk about. Um, it's not it's not that much, but it is a pretty complicated magic system. I think I'm gonna. I have some epitaphs at the beginning of every chapter. Um, I think what I in hindsight already I should have probably organized those a little differently mm-hmm. to kind of lend some light into like the, this the story mm-hmm. in relevant times but I, I don't know if I'll change that while it's on Royal Road I mean could always do another reaper right I mean right so I mean if you're doing an edit at that magnitude already why not just to republish like I I personally think everyone gets like one free like second shot I don't like it if people are doing it more than once. There were some authors who just did like small changes and didn't really improve the story all that much, and then tried to like get into like in higher position at Rising Stars that like hit top one or top two, and they're like, no, I didn't like the rating, so I'll try it again. Like that was a bit weird for me. Um, I mean, yeah. they're free to do it; it's not against the rules. But um, I personally think that like doing it once is 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 like hitting top top three should be you're good you don't need to do this again yeah i i'm not gonna repost i'm happy enough with how it did um and i know like i mean once you hit two royal or not railroad once you fall off rising stars like there's still growth and yeah and i try to think of royal road as just kind of something i'm doing to to like help me get to publishing um (laughs) um because you do get valuable feedback um and I mean, you kind of, if your plan is to publish on Kindle at some point and you do have a Patreon, you're kind of getting paid for work that you were kind of going to do anyway. Like, <laughs> there is work involved in managing the Patreon and like scheduling chapters and yeah. updating all the tiers and all that. Hmm. Um, but at a certain point, you're going to write the book and show it to people and get feedback and then integrate that into your writing. And hmm. kind of Royal Road is a great place to do that. And then some people want to read more, and you can give them more chapters for Patreon and keep it. I, I keep it going. I kind of wonder if that's a job that people could do. You know, uh, professional Patreon admin and or Royal Road chapter poster, um, because sometimes it gets, it gets like Royal Road chapter posting is okay, but doing it on Patreon is uh, like shooting yourself in the foot with a blunderbuss. Yeah, uh, Patreon's awful. <laughs> um, I don't know any. I don't think I've ever had a talk conversation with uh, another writer who didn't think it was very annoying. Like right now, if I have italics in the chapter, I have to just like read through and find them and re-italic them and uh, italicize in uh, okay. Patreon. <laughs> Here's a trick that I do: I uploaded everything into G Drive uh-huh. with the formatting and everything, and then I create a um, like shareable link and then link that in my Patreon. I used to do that actually. I used to do for Dear Spellbook originally, I used to write it in Google Docs. I would mm. copy the chapter into a chapter mm. and then I would save that into a PDF and save that as an EPUB. And then I put all three of those there. Mm. Uh, then I did a poll one day and asked how everyone was reading the story. And mm. most people were just reading it from the email that they get from Patreon. <laughs> when the chapter goes out. So I was like, wow. all right, I'm not doing any of that stuff anymore. What? But yeah, that might be, 
that would probably be less work. I also think so. I mean, okay, so I can't do that. I can't put Torchbearer on page one as it is because there's way, way too much formatting. Yeah, you have tables. And I have like I have right. tables. I have like weird, weird code boxes that like are neon green. Yeah, yeah. I, this is also the reason why I'm not ScribbleHub or Wattpad. Yeah, I yeah I feel bad for Patreon readers because like it's just not a good reading experience, and like I wish I could make it better, but I and people like the largest proportion you just read it through Patreon, even though it's mm. not a good reading app. Uh, I I really hope that like the rumors are true and uh, Kana and Wing are going to put like advanced chapters for uh, purchase on Royal Road anytime soon. Uh, that could be really cool. Well, you know, they're, uh, if you've noticed, they're, they're like LLC or whatever. When you make a Patreon or payment through like PayPal, is uh, soon or like coming soon media or something like that because they've always been, uh, it's always coming soon. Maybe it's like fusion energy. It's always yeah. going to happen in the next 20 years. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I'm in Discord channels a lot, kind of talks about it. I think the problems are like, financial legality things that are like slowing yeah. it down um which yeah. sounds super fun <laughs> yeah i mean we're gonna see we're gonna hope well 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 it's a new ad if you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com for now i just finished the first book in my own series torchbearer if you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. So we'll see, right? Yeah. I but want someone though, to all your listeners, to make a web plugin that'll just manage all this because I'd pay for that. I don't know how much I'd pay an individual to manage all that, but mm. I'm sure I'd, I'd spend like $20 a month or something on a, a program that'll just manage all my Patreon and Royal Road chapters and export it from Scrivener and keep the formatting and things like that. That would be... I'd pay for that. Uh, I'll talk to some friends, see what I can do. Yeah. But I think... like that. I think Patreon has no API. Yeah. So there's no way you can, you can interact with Patreon. Patreon, just either you put it on here or you don't. Don't care. Maybe what you can do is like you can do it with the with the Google Google Docs link, but I doubt it. Anyway, uh, next question. The second question, because you kind of like took away the third a little bit already. Sorry, for no, no, that's, that's, that's that's fine. Carefully that's fine. crafted. <laughs> My podcasting experience. Now, um. What's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? Um, probably two things. One, I don't do, um, but it is good advice, and I wish <laughs> I could do it. Uh, I just like write every day, even if it's like a little bit, because mm -hmm. whenever I get off a of breaks of writing, it's hard to get back into it. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I don't write every day is because like I write maybe like an hour a day max, and if I'm That's editing, mm -hmm. like I'm editing for that hour if i'm right if i'm if i'm in a phase where i'm not editing i can write for it like an hour um how long are your chapters and how many chapters do, per day do you do per week do you do uh my writing pace is like 
I can write like a thousand words an hour, mm-hmm. maybe fifteen hundred an hour if I'm like mm-hmm. really kind of haven't written in a while and it's all built up. Mm-hmm. But then I'll edit for like a month and write nothing. So it, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say my pace. For Primal Wizardry, I think that I can. Well, I know I can do two chapters a week of like fifteen hundred okay. to two thousand five hundred mm-hmm. words. So I think I can comfortably do like five thousand words a week and get it on Royal Road with editing and uploading and all that. I'm hoping that I end up my backlog keeps getting longer so I can go up to three times a week because I know two's not I mean some people wrote like two chapters a day. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm hoping I mean, to do more than two a week. Please remember that you can always go to your two thousand followers and cry about it. Yes. And I don't mean this mean to be like uh, mean about it, but um, we have to remember like many people on Royal Road never get past two hundred. Yeah, I have been posting daily for the last three weeks though. So I because I've been writing this story since like March maybe, and I had one hundred twenty thousand words built up, saved up for the ri- the Rising Stars run. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go back down to twice a week. I was gonna do that today, but I think I'll probably give it till tomorrow and do one more chapter because I forgot yeah. to warn people that I was going back to it. So that's on me. I'll give I mean, the next chapter. I mean, at the end, like doing this sustainably is probably one thing that most authors who've been at this for like a longer time wish they had done in the beginning. So yeah, go you. That's good. Yeah. So your one piece of advice would be to write daily. And what's the other one? The other one, uh, this one I do think I do well. It's like if your readers say there's a problem, they're right that there's a problem, but they're probably not right about how to fix it. Yeah. Like I'm sure you've all, everyone's been in a conversation where people are saying how easy it would have been to fix the latest Star Wars movies or something. But like, it <laughs> clearly shows that there were problems with the movie. But everyone's specific opinions about what the problem was are probably not like the right fix. So usually I'll try to engage with readers in my comments if they have like a problem. And usually it's because what I meant to say didn't get conveyed well. And like in my head, it made sense. The words I put down on paper didn't make sense. So Mm -hmm. I'll try to like talk to them, figure out what the problem is and fix it. Yeah. Sometimes though, there's readers who just, you know, don't like what you did and that's okay. As long as what I meant to get down there was there and they didn't like it. That's fine. Not everyone's going to like all your, all your decisions. I completely agree. In the first version of Torchbearer, someone was like really mean about it. And I was like, so what can I do to make it better? And we just we just got to talking, which was exhausting at some point, but also pretty cool. Because they just said, like, hey, I'm I'm just really confused. I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah, that's what's it supposed to be. That's the thing I want to happen anyway. But he said, But I don't care enough for me to want to find out. And that was a good point. Right, because the problem wasn't that he's confused. The problem was that the main character wasn't relatable or nice enough for people to stick with the book. So I fixed that in the second draft. And I'm going to make it even better in the third. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Feedback. And then, yeah. One time though, I remember getting in a. I have a rule. I don't argue with people on the internet. Like, and just mm-hmm. it's not healthy. Like, I'll like fixate on it. And I like, think you're wrong. <laughs> that's okay if you feel that way. But there's a hard line to like. There's a hard line between like talking to someone about or a fine line between like talking to someone about the story and like 
arguing like i try not to argue about it like i try to like listen to their feedback and then implement it but there was one time where like someone was just like convinced that like i had a character who like murdered a bunch of people and then found out later on that like hey they were actually people and someone was just like not on board with that being murder like he didn't know it was fine and i was like all right i need to step back from this because i don't think we're on the same page here i do this every week yeah i didn't know those were people so it's fine right i, I thought this was bowling pins officer yes yeah okay well okay so your first advice would be to write every day which you try to do or may do or may not do by the way 20 words is enough i try I try to do 20 words and then sometimes it's like 300 and I'm like, ah, could have done more maybe. But if your goal is just 20, it's way easier to actually get started. And then sometimes it's like 4,000, 5,000. So whatever you do. And yeah. the other one is to take feedback, but take it in consideration. Yeah, I, I just don't discount readers' opinions because if, mm -hmm. if it's not working for them, something's not working so like mm -hmm. take a step back and don't like don't be like they don't understand like yeah give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to understand yeah well that brings us to the third question that you already kind of answered but i still want to answer like, like have you answer again so if there's one thing you could do uh that you could go back to and change what would that be i would uh not write three different timelines in a mm -hmm. story that has time loops in it because that's confusing and people okay. don't like that also maybe i would write a lit rpg uh, because those are more popular um yeah that... i really want to talk to you about that in the bones material about traditional fantasy and lit rpg and, and popular and not popular but that's definitely bones material stuff or i should say second half of the podcast stuff if that yes. doesn't offend you the listener if it does offend you then yes it's bones material it's just purely bonus <clears throat> yes bonus. um but yeah so anything else that you would go back to and change i don't know i it's hard to say because i a lot of the things that i did do that i regret ended up having positive outcomes like i did <laughs> post on royal road too soon i know that um but if i hadn't posted on royal road and i hadn't like got connected with like authors on discord and like you know, gotten like positive feedback. Mm. I probably would have stopped doing this before mm. anything got published. So while like I probably should have held on to the book a little bit longer and done like a reread before I posted it, I happy with how things turned out. So I yeah. can't really say that that was a mistake. I think so too. Um, I mean, I started writing Torchbearer like four years ago just because, and I picked it up and actually stuck with it because not because I wanted to like get big in Japan, but because I really wanted to just keep at it just put something out every day right mm -hmm. and it's probably one of the most formative experiences of my life because i learned how to be okay with setting my own goals instead of following some like guide online that says like oh if you don't have three thousand followers your book is a failure um i know that the person who wrote that meant it as a like good point because if you really want to earn money with this you should probably you know look at your follow account by the way this is different today than it is back then. But um, by not doing that, I found that I formed really good habits of writing, which is write every day, just push stuff out, don't overthink it, mm -hmm. which is a merit of its own. Overthinking it is actually my particular writing style. Mm -hmm. is, is that really so? Do you really uh, think so? I don't know. I, 
when I'm in a writing mode, right now I'm in an editing mode trying to get my backlog mm-hmm. edited for Royal Road. But when I'm mm-hmm. in a writing mode, basically I'm kind of like thinking about my story all day. Oh, okay. And then if I don't actually sit down and write, like my brain gets kind of full and mm-hmm. like I'm trying to get more ideas in there, but I can't remember them all. So like oh, I have to yeah. like just kind of dump it out so I can uh, clear the catch. And yeah, um, I going. start to ignore people around me and I just like, I have to write this down. Otherwise, it's coming out, coming out of my nose. So, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool, though. All right. Fourth one. Fourth one. We're, we're rushing through these. This is nice. What's one book that you love, and why is it awesome? I'm going to say two, but they're similar. Um, first one is a series, I, I guess. I always ask one yeah. book. and be like, I have four one books. I'm like, okay. Okay. I have technically it's seven, but it's really two series, and they're very similar. <laughs> Uh, Red, have you read Red Rising? Uh, it's it's up there somewhere. Okay, yeah. I it sounded so finished, brutal when I when I read the read the prompt and I wasn't in the mind space. I just finished the Lightbringer like last week on my uh, on my work trip. I, I was like in this factory in Taiwan, like trying to get people to like leave me alone for a little bit so I could like finish the audiobook. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I just finished Lightbringer, which is the sixth book in the series, um, mm-hmm. and it's about it's basically like Ender's Game and mm-hmm. hunger games in mm-hmm. the future and fantasy realm and it's about this uh like society in the future where humans have been like genetically engineered and like different cast rising or red rising red rising is, is, is fantasy no it's like it's science fiction but like the people in charge have basically structured society so that like martial combat is like the basis of like space combat that sounds like a very good idea we should do that yes it's very good so like this guy gets genetically engineered to be like he's a red which are like this minor like subcast and he gets Mm -hmm. genetically engineered to be like a gold which are like the rulers and he gets put into this magic not magic school (laughs) he puts into this school for the elite children of like the golds and Mm -hmm. as like a plant so he can rise up to their military ranks and the Mm -hmm. school is kind of like a kind of like it's very like ancient roman where mm-hmm. they drop them with nothing and they have to like scrounge with like stone tools and as mm-hmm. they progress they get more and more advanced weapons but like the mm-hmm. teachers that are proctoring this basically battle royale school mm-hmm. had, like fly around on like grav boots and like pretend to be like the gods and each one's like a mm-hmm. different roman god like her hermes or Ares yeah. or yeah um hermes is greek is no wait hermes greek yeah hermes is greek i think it's pluto Pluto. Mercury is the Roman name. Mercury. So, yeah. So, it's very good. It's got a main character that you can really, like, root for, and all the main side characters you get really attached to, and when they Mm -hmm. die or betray the main character, it it hurts. And there's just a lot (laughs) of really good speeches. And uh, Tim Gerald Reynolds narrates it, who's one of my favorite narrators, and he's just, like, does these very stirring speeches really well. So, Red Rising... It's one of the books I couldn't read because read I'm just too emotional for this stuff. Like, right. if there's stuff that's like betrayal, I, I mean, I cried during like the top ten anime betrayal meme movie meme things on YouTube. So, I don't really often get emotionally attached to characters in books I'm reading, but yeah, this is a series I definitely do. But that's worse. You see how that makes it worse, right? Well, I mean, if you're dead inside and nothing makes. <laughs> um no it's uh 
don't know. I really like usually when characters mm-hmm. die in books, like I'm like kind of over it. Like I'm, a, it doesn't really affect me. But like yeah. a couple times there were some deaths, and I was like, oh man, that's that's rough, upsetting. But my other one is related to this. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, it's Will of the Many, and tell me if it sounds familiar. But it's about a fantasy Roman society <laughs> where this person from outside of the Roman society of the elite is put into a school for their uh, for their children, and mm-hmm. as a as a plant, and he's investigating something. And I really like that one because it's by James Islington. Islington, I don't know. He wrote like Canius yeah. trilogy. Have you heard of that? It's a fantasy series with time travel in it, which. I'm a fan of and uh in Will the Many, it doesn't really seem like there's like weird stuff going on of like from a high level, but it's kind of going on in the background. And then in like the last like couple chapters, like you realize like the curtains pull back and you're like, Oh, that's why everything was weird and it's uh uh-huh. very, very good. And I'm looking forward to the sequel. I think this is a good point to like point to Portal to Nova Roma. I haven't read it yet, but it's supposed to be good. I haven't read that either. I talked to J.R. Matthews a lot. That's him. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. Jake's Magical Market. Yeah. Talked to him mm-hmm. a lot on Discord. Um, I've been meaning to read his because I love Tech Uplift. That's one of my mm-hmm. favorite genres, which I have a I- couple ideas for, which I don't know if I'll get to, but like what? Bobaverse. If you want more recommendations, Bobaverse, yeah, Bobaverse. is great. Torchbearer. Um, it's Torchbearer. Torchbearer is Tech Uplift goes very, very wrong. That's the premise. Okay, have to check that out because I am. I have a soft spot for tech uplift. There's the first one I ever read. Is I'm. This book is not objectively good, but I really like it. Uh, it's called Cross Time Engineer, mm-hmm. and it's about this engineer who gets sent back to 13th century Poland, mm-hmm. and like he basically starts the industrial revolution. The engineer <laughs> in that book is just like great. But also he has like a harem of like 16 year old girls, which is not great. And it's like half the book's really good. And the other half, like it's not half. It's like maybe like a fifth or something. You're like, I'm not going to read this part. It's a sixth. It's sixth. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. Okay. I'm not recommending it, but it is. If you want to read a good engineering book, just read Five six of that book. <laughs> Five six of that. Let's just skip the icky parts. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got what you, what you mean. Have you read Virtuous Sons? Virtue, I have not. That's a I, Roman Greco-Roman cultivation. Yes, I've. And, I was on a Roman kick after Red Rising, Will of the Many. I also read Codex Alara, which is another Roman yeah. fantasy book. Mm. And I was going to read Virtuous Sons next, but I got. I had been rereading so many things, like because I reread Red mm. Rising, I was like my new release backlog was going out. So I had to catch up on some like, yeah, I mean, other things. they are all heavy on the romance. Roman. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> this is a, this is a little spoiler for primal wizard league, but I do have a fantasy Roman empire. <laughs> What's planned no. <laughs> to be in it at some point, which is partially why I was reading all this fantasy Roman stuff. Mm. It's like chicken or egg. Like, I like it, so I was reading it, but also mm. I kind of had this idea for it, and then I kept reading it more, but stay tuned. Cool. It'll, I haven't written that part yet, but it'll it'll exist someday. <laughs> right. I think we're at the part where we do shout-outs. 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 
I don't really read anything on Royal Road anymore because it's not <gasps> narrated and I don't have time to read with my eyes. So I will just shout out another portal author who just started his serial. Cause you guys, I was listening to like the backlog. You guys mentioned mm-hmm. portal, like every episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's yeah. Just like I said, I was really like Brooke as a person. What can I say? And, and the bribes helped, right? No, no, they really didn't help. They made me very, very <laughs> too jaded. much character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Glyax, Jonathan Schmidt, he uh, wrote the infinite tower, which he's serializing now, uh, hmm. which just started coming out like two or three days ago. So I don't know if he's on rising stars yet. Let's see, but I'm going to recommend see. him because he's a nice guy who I met at dragon con. Uh, he's not on rising stars yet. And uh, he was talking to me about it a lot, and I'm blanking on the details now. But if you want to read your tower climb, and he did say he was trying to make a serial for serial sake. So it's mm-hmm. if you don't want to read a story that's going to get yanked off a royal road in like a week, I think this one's a safe bet. Yeah, pretty cool. All right. Yeah, I mean, I did well, did my shout outs, you know, to everyone. <laughs> no, but oh, right. Yeah, one more. My friend Sean. Uh, or Dad's Bedtime Stories on Royal Road, wrote a book with his daughter. Oh, and... I shouted that story out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did a shout you out. You shouted that story out, my... yeah. yeah. I think it's called The Girl Who Killed a God. Um, yeah, she's on Rising Stars. Yeah, she's, like she was, she was at, at... She was at nine or something, right? Um, but she may have fallen off again. But it's a, it's a really high... It's a really cool story. Uh, it has violence... It has, well, strong female protagonist, obviously. And if you know old folks, if you know um, Dead's Bedtime Stories, then you know what you're in for. Uh, lots of gratuitous violence, uh, <laughs> very immature jokes, and a lot of content very, very quickly. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I just checked. Oh. It's number 12 on Rising Stars. Ooh, ooh. Girl who then she's getting God. there. I think, yeah, he's, he's on vacation right now or on a scouting trip. And um, when he comes back, it could be cool because it doesn't have internet over there. So it could be cool to come back to like a, a top 10 rising stars entry. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. She was at number nine before, I think. Um, but a couple mm. stories just jumped up mm. recently. I've yeah. been uh, watching that page too frequently. Yeah. <laughs> I have... I, so this one's for free. This is I usually put the stuff like in the uh, in the second part of the podcast. But... I personally don't think it's super healthy to, well, not, not obsess, but think too much about rating on railroad. It doesn't really do anything. Um, all it does is it's, it, it gratifies your ego, and your ego loves that shit. Yeah. But it doesn't make you a better writer. Um, it doesn't give you any money. And if it goes wrong, like it can ruin your writing mood for days, weeks, months even. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at uh, he who shall not be named... You get like a lot of, you don't write, you write a mediocre book because you slip up and it's not like it happens, right? And then suddenly you've been kicked off of the throne of lit RPG and you're not writing for five years now. So yeah, don't look at these ratings. They're not for you. Look at the feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know, my first time on Royal Road, writing Or my first story, Dear Spellbook, like, when that was on railroad, I don't know. After a while, the ratings and the bad reviews, like I know some people can't read the reviews, like it like mm. makes them 
feel mm. I don't know bad. I'll read all my reviews on like Amazon and like mm. Goodreads or Royal Road. Like mm. for the most part, when people post negative reviews, if I can see where they're coming from, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Yep, I mm. totally do that. Yep, I get that. Mm. Um, the ones that bug me are the ones that are, but they don't bug me that much. It's like I only read three pages. It probably could be good, but um, I don't know. Two stars. It's like those bug me a little bit. Like give it a shot. But for the most part, I don't. I don't know bad reviews don't really make me feel that bad because hmm. not every book's for everyone. Like, yeah, I, I tell my like my sisters and like my my family like they haven't read my book because they don't read fantasy books. And not only do they not read fantasy books, they don't read like the niche subgenre of progression fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I tell someone I read a fantasy book and they're like, "Oh, like Harry Potter," and like that's the only book they know of, they probably don't like. They're probably not going to appreciate it, and that's fine. Well, it has a magical school. <laughs> the, yeah, Primal Wizardry does have a magical school, so it is kind of like if all of the school was a room of requirement. That's kind of what Primal Wizardry is about. Um, but <laughs> bad example, I guess. But for Dear Spellbook, I, I don't, I don't really recommend. Uh, I mean, now you have two, and. They're like, like Lord of the Rings? Like, yeah, but then it's Heim Loop, and then you have Dear Spellbook, right? So now you can win. Yeah. Because those are the two that people know. Yeah, the way I describe Dear Spellbook is I just say it's like Groundhog Day in like a, a fantasy setting. That's a big um, one. Yeah. Which is, fun fact, the movie Groundhog Day was filmed like 20 minutes from my house. What? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, so... You actually still do Groundhog Day, where you live. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh no, it's not. It's not, it's not, far, it's not filmed over there. Not filmed they don't film. City, right? They still do it in that square, though. Um, there's like the puddle that Bill Murray steps in is like yeah. bronze den, and like it's still there. They left the hole, but it's like covered in bronze. Nice. Um, it's kind of cool. It's like the only exciting thing to happen in this area of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray came back for like a Super Bowl commercial, like three or four years ago i don't remember and he like filmed on like a farm nearby it was mm. it's a big deal oh my god yeah I, I come from a small city too i know what you're talking about in that case that will be it for us today so thank you so much for watching and or listening and please do leave a follow or a like or subscribe or whatever button you can click on whatever platform you're on because it really helps me out i I'm so close to reaching a thousand followers and that would really help me out a lot financially too. So I would appreciate it if you could help me out with that. Anyway, if you also want to continue listening to Peter and I talk, feel free to head to the Patreon page where you can get, well, I think it's at least four more hours of podcast every month for the low price of $5. It's pretty nice, I think, personally. All right. Peter, any last words? Uh, I just bought a new car, so buy my books. <laughs> yes, buy Peter's books, please. Well, if that's been it, then thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>